During my childhood, I have fond memories of growing up and going and visiting my grandparents. I had a set of grandparents who lived in Smithton, Missouri. That's where I grew up. And it was about 10 minutes from my house. I had another set of grandparents who grew, uh, lived in Versailles, Missouri. So when we went to see them, it was a little bit more of a trip, but we would see them often on holidays or for birthdays or just, just because, right, to go see your grandparents. Well, I remember visiting them on one such occasion and it was this beautiful spring day out, the sun was shining, and I was just happy to be there. I was, I was playing with my cousins outside, and we played, and played for what seemed like hours. Eventually, uh, my internal clock, uh, whatever that is when, when you're a child, started to go off, and I was wondering, when are we gonna leave? Well, the adults were busy. You see, my parents had planted these, these flowers that they were really proud of, and they had sprung up out of the ground, and there was a bulb that was primed and ready on these flowers to open up. In fact, they, they believed that it was going to open up that day. So the plan was we were going to stay there as long as it took for these flowers to open up. And look, as a kid, I, I just didn't get it. To me, it's kind of like watching paint dry. Uh, I, I did a quick a risk, reward, a cost-benefit analysis. For me, it just wasn't worth it to stand there for hours to see that one, one glimpse, that one moment of transformation and change. Well, uh, I, we would kept playing, we kept going on, and, and I would go and sneak a peek occasionally of these flowers, and of course, nothing had changed. Uh, and so we went on and we, we kept playing some more and more, but there were the adults waiting patiently until that moment when the flowers opened up and they revealed their unique beauty that only they could offer to the world. Now, as I reflect on that moment, I think about, okay, it actually is kind of cool to have the patience, right, to sit there and wait. I mean, who, who can say that they've actually seen a flower, not a video, but seen a flower in real life open up? That's a, a pretty cool thing to actually be able to see. Um, but but the more I thought about it, I also th I thought about this. You, you couldn't have that moment unless the roots that existed below the flower had done their work up to that point, right? To nourish and to bring about this beauty. We are in a series that's called Taking Root. We're looking at stories from the book of Acts. We're going through uh, uh, looking at uh, different stories, different people, everyday, ordinary people who reveal this type of beauty in the world. And they're people just like you and me. We're, we're looking at what it is to, to be the church, and we're talking about how the church is, is not a, a building or a place, but it's, it's a network of people. And so we're focusing on roots, these roots as a metaphor that tell us about how interconnected we are as people and about how we belong to one another in relationship. And when our network increases and our, and our love for one another increases, those roots can grow deeper and stronger. They can spread wider. And guess what happens? God's glory can be even greater in this world. And so we're going to focus on the roots. And when we think about things from the perspective of the roots, they lie beneath the surface. They don't actually get to see the end result. They don't get to see the fruit that the tree produces. They don't get to see the beauty of the flower. They don't get to see the life that is created 
Uh, we have a shrub in our yard right now that these rabbits, they just, they inhabit this thing. So there's, there's literally life. And so when we build a strong root system, guess what happens? All these things are made possible. Life, good fruit and beauty. That's possible because of the, the roots of relationship that we create. Uh, and, and, and when you think about roots, you also think about where they exist. They exist in the dirt. And isn't that where the real work happens? The, the nitty and gritty, is in, it's in the dirty details. Beneath the surface, where it's kind of behind the scenes where no one actually gets to look and see it. So we're focusing on the roots. Well, the story today that we're gonna read comes to us from the book of Acts. And we're gonna talk about how uh, our relationships grow, uh, how, how characters in the story, how their relationships grow. And so I'm gonna read uh, parts of the story highlights from the book of Acts. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to tell that story. Uh, we are doing a reading plan here at church, and so I encourage you to, to jump in on that reading plan because it'll get you through the entire book of Acts. It'll get you through this chapter as well. But if you don't have time to do the reading plan, I do want to encourage you to go back and read Acts chapter 10. You'll get to uh, underline some of the things that stand out to you, and you can add to the thoughts that I'm sharing. So I, I encourage you to do that. Uh, but I want to begin by introducing you to this character. His name is Cornelius. So we're in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Here what it has to say about Cornelius. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius. He and his whole household were pious, Gentile God worshipers. He gave generously to those in need among the Jewish people and prayed to God constantly. One day at nearly 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he clearly saw an angel from God in a vision. And the angel came to him and said, Cornelius, startled, uh, he stared at the angel and replied, what is it, Lord? The angel said, your prayers and your compassionate acts are like a memorial of offering to God. Send messengers to Joppa at once and summon a certain Simon, the one known as Peter. So we meet Cornelius and we find out a few details about his life. He is a Roman centurion. This is a Roman soldier. He would have been a commander in the Roman army. So he, he was a boss. He was in a position of authority. He would give orders, and guess what? People would have to respond. And so in that position of power and in that position of influence, crazy things could happen uh, in this time and place in the culture of Rome. Uh, it was thought that, that when it wasn't a time of war, Roman soldiers would actually uh, kind of act as a, as a, a, a police force. They would, they would keep peace in the area. Uh, Esau Macaulay writes in his book, he talks about this, about how uh, they would investigate crimes from time to time. If there was a, an unfair situation happening in the marketplace, these Roman soldiers would get called in to help sort things out. Uh, they were the muscle behind tax collection. And so sometimes bribes would exchange hands. Uh, so corruption could enter in uh, but Cornelius wasn't like that because we also learned something out. It says that he was compassionate. It says that he was generous and he gave gifts, not, not just to people in need, but to Jewish people, people who were different than him. Because we also know that Cornelius was an outsider. He's called a Gentile here in the scripture. Uh, and in the book of Acts, there's a big debate that's happening kind of behind the scenes. The question is, is do Gentile belong Gentiles belong to God. Did Jesus come for them too? Are they included? And, and we see, despite this questioning, 
Cornelius still remains faithful. He gets this vision from God and God commands him to go send for Peter to listen to what he has to say. So that's what Cornelius does. He sends messengers to go see Peter. And in that act of faithfulness, the roots of relationship grew a little deeper. Well, as the messengers headed out to go find Peter, we find Peter, uh, he shows up in the story. This is the apostle of Christ. He was one who spent time with Jesus. He's the one who denied Jesus three times. He's the one who, uh, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. It's that Peter. We find him on a rooftop. He's hungry and he's praying. And he has this vision. It's a vision of, of what he calls a sheet being pulled down by four corners all the way to the, to the earth. And on the sheet, there's all these animals. And then Peter hears a voice that says, get up, kill, eat. And Peter responds immediately. He says, there is no way those creatures are unclean. And to do so would be a violation of the law that was taught to me in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. These lessons I've learned with my entire life growing up as a child, it would dishonor my heritage and, and those who came before me. It would not be in line with our tradition. But then he hears a voice that says this in verse 15 from God saying, never consider unclean what God has made pure. And so this happens three times, which is significant for Peter, by the way, three times. And so he's beginning to think about, okay, maybe God is doing something here. And the scripture says that he's brooding over what's, what's happening in this vision. And then he pauses and reflects on it. And in that moment, the roots of relationship began to grow a little deeper. Well, a about this time, there were messengers who, uh, from Peter or from Cornelius, who knocked on Peter's door. And he gets up and he goes and meets them, and they greet Peter with this greeting. They said, on verse tw uh, 22, We've come on behalf of Cornelius, a centurion and righteous man, a God worshiper who was well respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel directed him to summon you to his house and hear what you have to say. So now Peter has been thinking about this vision and he sees these messengers and it begins to be, get more clear for him. This vision was not about food, but it was about people. And this puts Peter in quite the predicament because he is not to associate with people like Cornelius, a Gentile. To do so would put his legacy on the line. He has a rep reputation that he has to think about here. What would other people say if he met with Cornelius? There's a lot at stake. It actually reminds me of a TV show that came out over the last couple of years called The Mandalorian. It's all about this, this bounty hunter, kind of a rough and tough guy who uh, has, finds compassion for this, this creature. It's, it's called the child, or we, we know him more popularly as, as Baby Yoda. And so he, he kind of commits his life to, to saving the child and, and making sure that the, the child is protected. But, but the Mandalorian has this code that he lives by and it's, it's, it's a way of life and he can't take his helmet off. To do so would be to disgrace himself, uh, to disgrace uh, the tribe to which he belongs to. But throughout the story, he gets put in these situations where if he would take his helmet off, 
it would actually save the people that he cared about. So it's, it's a question. Is he willing to sacrifice a part of his ideology, something he believes in the depths of his core, to love more? Well, that's the tension here in Peter, or that Peter is feeling. So he has this decision to make, and guess what Peter does? He responds and says, yes, I want to go, and I want to meet uh, Cornelius. And so this meeting happens. It's this, this meeting that's a little bit strange at first because, look, these, these two guys have incredibly different backgrounds. Uh, they've got uh, totally different cultural expectations. Uh, Cornelius has invited his friends and family to be there, so there's, there's this kind of large group that's ready and waiting for Peter to show up. But, but Peter, as you can imagine, probably just wants a private gathering. He doesn't want a whole lot of fanfare because he doesn't want other people to know. But when he shows up, they engage in conversation. There's a back and forth. Peter is basically says, why did you sin for me? What, what is your reasoning? Cornelius tells Peter about his vision. And then Peter says this, verse 34, he says, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And then Peter gives this sermon about Jesus' life and his witness on earth and how that's been revealed not just to Jews, but to all people. And uh, the miracles that Jesus uh, did on earth, his death and his resurrection. And then after that sermon concludes, something incredible happens in verse 44. is while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. The circumcised believers, those are the Jewish Christians, uh, who had came with Peter, were astonished. They were shocked. They were surprised. They couldn't believe this, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, even on those outsiders. What was impossible now was made possible. See, the Gentiles weren't unclean. They weren't outsiders. They weren't enemies or someone to be feared. No, they realized that they belonged to God because they could love, they could show grace, they could live out the life that God has called them to live, just like you and me. And during that moment, the relation, roots of relationship grew deeper and wider, and up on the surface, a flower opened up, and it revealed its beauty to the world, the beauty of what God can do with our human brokenness, our division, our judgment, our lack of understanding. See, God uh, entered into the situation and brought two unlikely people together. This would not have been possible without the workings of the Holy Spirit. It also wouldn't have been possible if these two individuals didn't assume a humble posture. Humbleness is just remaining open to being changed, in this case, being changed by the Holy Spirit. And so Cornelius remained open to God by seeing a vision and then responding to that vision, sending for Peter, realizing, hey, I'm not crazy. I'm going to take this little step. Peter, he had to lay down some of his own tradition. He had to open himself up to criticism from his peers. He had to say this, I'm willing or I'm really learning. He learned something from an outsider. He checked his pride at the door. And Peter, for us, represents more than just uh, two individuals in a relationship. Peter is the rock of the church. 
Peter represents the church and how the church can respond to the world, how it can engage in our uh, current cultural challenges, and what the church can do, how the church can change its mind when presented with new information. And the way Peter did this is by saying yes to enter into a conversation. So there was a coming together. There was uh, talking. There was visiting. They were sitting at the same table. There was probably some awkward and tense moments. There was these statements of I'm learning, dot, dot, dot. But in doing so, it strengthened the roots of our relationship as people who were made in the image of God. And the truth is, you today can be a part of building this root system that can reveal God's beauty in the world by just being in relationship with other people. We all have, have relationships. We're all part of relationships. We all have the ability to meet others where they're at. We all have the ability to, to be humble, to say, I'm willing to learn. And so in the month of May here at our church, we have some opportunities for you to do that uh, through through uh, various just volunteer needs. Uh, as we begin to open up more fully, we're looking for people to engage in building that strong root system in relationship by volunteering for a hospitality team, by maybe signing up for kid ministry or for a student ministry, building relationships with students and parents. And so as we begin to open up more fully for the month of May, that's a way that you can get involved in building that strong root system. But it doesn't just have to be here. It can be, in your everyday life, you have friends, family members, neighbors that you can begin to listen more intently to and you can begin to understand in new ways. And the focus here is, is not on uh, the labels that the other person has, it's on the relationship. And God will use, use our ignorance, just our, our interest that we take in other people, not knowing everything that's going on in someone else's life, God will use that to bring about transformation. I've seen this happen so many times. Uh, over the summer, actually, uh, I was here at the church and I was having trouble focusing on getting uh, my task done for the day. So I just got up and took a walk. So I'm gonna take a 10 minute walk. So I left my office, went outside into the parking lot. And during that time, I said, hey, I'll go, I'm gonna go on Facebook Live. So I just started a little video and I, I shared some about my struggles and I just offered some encouragement to people and to pray for people. Well. During that time, a few people actually posted on there. They engaged. Uh, one was a friend, Callie. She said this. She said, uh, this was perfect. Thank you. I really needed it this morning. That's what she said. And so I actually followed up with some of the people who, who commented. I texted them or I sent them a message on Facebook, uh, but I actually called some too. I actually called Callie and just said, okay, I just want to check in, in with you. How are you doing? Well, we talked about her father who had just died uh, about a month earlier. And she was really grieving and she was struggling. And so we just visited and we prayed together. Well, the, the truth of the matter is I didn't even really know what God was doing even in that moment in time. I was just uh, putting up a Facebook Live video and checking in with people. About a month ago, Callie actually texted me this. I'm gonna read a little chunk of the text that she sent me about that day we, we talked on the phone. She said, it was the one month anniversary of my dad's death. I was coming up on the 926 time, the time he passed, and for some reason, as that moment drew nearer, my grief became overwhelming. You were on the phone with me through that 926 time. I really appreciated not having to be alone. 
And so you think about what God can do with when we are in relationship with one another, when we take interest in one another, through a random Facebook video, someone commenting, a follow-up phone call, through all of these things that had to come together, we, uh, Callie and I, were on the phone at that exact moment in time. This was not something that we did, it was something that God did. And in that moment, the roots of relationship grew a little deeper and God's glory was revealed in all its beauty. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are, for the way you call us to take little steps of faith, to respond to your nudging, to be in relationship with one another, and to learn something new. May we be open and humble at the way you would call us to build relationships, to build roots in our world. Amen.